Thank you, Bren, for reading our scripture lesson this morning. Have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems like bad manners or cynicism is always a sign of things no eyes have seen or ears have heard. You don't know what wars are going on down where the spirit meets the bone. But ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So I'll begin this morning with a question. What do lightning bolts, bumblebees, and yawning have in common? I realize that sounds like a ridiculous combination, so I'll say it one more time. What do lightning bolts, bumblebees, and yawning have in common? Luke, I see your hand up. Oh, so we can have more than one things in common, right? I love that. That might be a different sermon, but great idea. (laughs) The three share the same conclusion, that science cannot fully explain what is going on. NASA cannot explain why lightning forms zigzags in the sky. Engineers cannot explain, given their shape, size, and weight, how bumblebees can fly. And no one can fully explain why our bodies yawn. Yet they are common, even on Sunday mornings, to happen. But we are obsessed with knowing and explaining why, right? We ask Alexa questions or look it up on our cell phone when we don't know answers, and it's frustrating when we hit a dead end or we have to live with, uh, we're not quite sure. And it is the same with our faith, too. We want to know the details of what God is doing right now. Not only the world God envisions us to help build, but what are the practical steps to get there? God wants us to love the world, but but how do we do that and where do we begin? These are questions that can't be answered as we may like them to be answered, yet isn't that the work of faith? And then we read in passages like Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is like using a GPS, and it gives us maybe the next direction or the next turn, but we don't know the final destination, except you are promised it's where you need to be and where you want to be, which is both settling and God, can you just tell us where we are going? At first, it appears that this morning's text will clear some things up. Teaching through parables, Jesus will use three times, the kingdom of heaven is like. And in school, you may have learned that similes are the comparisons between two things using like or as. And so we expect that Jesus will give some deeper hints about the destination or at least some road markers to recognize. And so he begins, the kingdom of heaven is like someone that planted good seed in a field. 
All right, so good seed. It's simple, but we can go there. However, quickly Jesus pivots to talk about weeds. Note this is not the parable of the sower, but the parable of the weeds. Instead of being about the seed, it is about how weeds show up unexpectedly. And the landowner blames an evil one for breaking in and planting those weeds. Which is interesting because anyone here that gardens knows that weeds are typically not uh, a call to update your security system. Weeds are just the unavoidable part of tending to the garden. And so as much as we could focus on the evil one or others may focus on, the focus seems to be on the servant's question. We have weeds and wheat. Do you want us to gather them? And the landowner replies, no. Because you may judge incorrectly. Pulling what is instead a weed, you'll pull wheat. Now, if you remember, last week we heard Jesus ask his disciples, how can you take the speck out of your neighbor's eye when there is a log in your own eye? In that same vein, we see this week that it is, uh, uh, we often judge others based on our belief of God, labeling people worthy or not worthy, wheat or weed, when really that is God's responsibility. In other words, God does not trust us to judge others or condemn them. It's God's place to make that call. And instead, the servants are to nurture and fertilize everything equally and not judge by pulling out that which God will use. Let us us look at it this way. Consider a dandelion. We all picture a dandelion. I don't know your relationship to your lawn care, but I have seen people go to war against dandelions. When spring hits, it's common to see people spraying or lawn companies treating their yards to get rid of these weeds. In fact, if you go to Scott's Lawn Care website, it says, it only takes one weed to ruin a beautiful lawn. So get a hand on some of the most common weeds by learning to identify them and kill them. And then they say, for dandelion infestation, use Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action. It is war to destroy dandelions. But do we fully know the dandelion? And if we did, would we pull it? So let me introduce you to a misunderstood plant. The dandelion has a long medicinal history used by ancient Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, and in Chinese traditional medicine for nearly a thousand years. You may not know this, but the dandelion is a growing first aid kit. Dandelion tonics can be used to remove the body's uh, liver tonics from the bloodstream and help a healthy digestive system. It has been used to treat fevers and sores, rotting gums, even dandruff and balding. Before you say, oh, that sounds too good to be true, we have to remember that there was a time where people could not go to the store to get their vitamins. 
and dandelions are packed with them. In fact, it may be the most nutritious plant growing in your garden. It has more vitamin A than spinach, more vitamin C than tomatoes. It is a powerhouse of iron, calcium, potassium. So for people who are vitamin deficient, the dandelion is a miracle. In fact, they may be one of the most expensive items in the grocery store, selling for about $31.75 a pound. And it can be used in tea, in salads, even wine. And any gardener here knows that they are resilient. They just need one inch of root to grow into a new plant. And its roots can go as deep as 15 feet. They can survive years, which means that those yellow blossoms in the corner of the playground could be as old as the children running next to them. Yet culturally, we have decided that a well-tended, good-looking lawn is dandelion-free. We see them as a nuisance, unattractive, proof that the homeowner does not have pride in their own property. Yet God created them to heal and nurture, and not to mention bring joy when you can pop them off as a kid. We often treat the kingdom of heaven on earth like a perfectly mown lawn. This is what it has to look like. This is what the people have to look like to do these things. Or it has to be administered through the church. And we risk plucking the very thing that may help us or save us. Hmm. So is it a weed or a kingdom of heaven? Which leads us to the mustard seed, which is what? A weed! It is an invasive weed. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a weed, like the mustard seed that someone took and planted in their field. Now remember, Jesus is most likely speaking to those, to the most common professionals at that time, farmers. So who among the farmers were planting mustard seed? No one would do that. (laughs) That would be a very foolish thing to do. It would make no sense let alone a mustard seed that grew so large that it created shade over the crops, inviting birds that they did not want. However, the mustard seed became a tree so that birds could nest in its branches. It does not make financial or business sense to the farmers. It does not fit the cultural norm, which was to pluck them up. But from this supposed weed comes a gathering place, a community, the kingdom of heaven. If the kingdom of heaven is like a dandelion, then the kingdom of heaven is hidden good news of healing, growth, and beauty. If the kingdom of heaven is like a dandelion, then the kingdom of heaven may not be understood or people may not want it to grow. The kingdom of heaven is like a dandelion, then it is everywhere and it is resilient. 
Jesus may not clear up what the kingdom of heaven is exactly, but Jesus does open our vision field that the lens is wider than we most often think. That our work as disciples of Christ has to look like this or do that. That the work of the church can only be done this way and it can never engage another possibility. Thomas Berry once said, We are not lacking the dynamic forces needed to create the future. And instead of future, I would put kingdom of heaven. We are not lacking the dynamic forces to create the kingdom of heaven. We live immersed into a sea of energy beyond all comprehension. But this energy is not ours by domination, but by invocation that we are invited to participate, invited to experience, invited to join the kingdom on earth. And so imagine, just imagine for a second, what weeds are possible. Say, what, imagine if we studied the parts of American history that may, many do not want us to learn these days through a lens of faith. Imagine if the church became the place where we came to unpack the issues in the world that are most complicated, inviting community members to share in uncomfortable but needed dialogue. Imagine if our building uh, welcomed those who are often excluded, a warming center for those who are cold and homeless, a site to distribute Narcan, a safe place for support groups to meet. What if we took out all of our pews and created a fluid space that could be used for communal functions like concerts or maybe yoga classes or something like that? Imagine if we didn't mow parts of our lawn and indeed let the dandelions grow, benefiting the ecosystem and biodiversity. What if we installed solar panels in the parking lot or had an electric charging station in our parking lot for people to use for free? What if we raised chickens on church property and donated the eggs to those that needed it? I was thinking chickens for Christ, but we can work on that. What if we utilized our teaching power in the congregation to offer tutoring for students that have fallen behind because of the pandemic? What if we turned the parsonage into a safe house or housed those that are afraid of being deported? What if we gathered weekly on the front lawn to protest anti-trans bills and contact representatives to act with love and justice? None of this makes sense, right? Too far. Yet Jesus tells farmers that the kingdom of heaven is like an invasive weed. And so I invite you to think about, actually I invite you to dream about the kingdom of heaven as if it were a dandelion. To dream big, dream unrealistically, Dream knowing that it is the very space where Jesus is at work and where we are invited in to help imagine a better world. And so you may have saw that in your bulletin, there is a post-it note. In a couple of weeks, church council will meet for a leadership retreat 
And our hope is to begin discerning how we can join God in God's work in the world. And so I invite you to take out that post-it note and write a dream that you may have. doesn't need to be completely realistic, but what we will do at our leadership retreat is we'll hold it in a space of prayer, a space of non-judgmental, and we will let it breathe because maybe, just maybe, the Spirit will give us our next turn. Amen? Amen.